Hey Rob, welcome back. It's uh, it's been a while, several months actually, uh, but racing has started again. Uh, but that's not why we're on. We're just going over uh, what's been going on in the transfer market and how that then shapes up the rest of the season. Although we might delve on uh, the current racing, but yeah, um, we should probably start, Rob. Um, uh, with a correction, we actually mentioned uh, in the last episode several months ago that Cavendish has signed for B&B Hotels. In fact, um, while it might have been done, uh, it didn't actually go through. Um, yeah, so we've uh, a lot of lots has happened there. We've had a B&B of effectively have gone down. They no longer exist. Um, which then meant Cav was without a team for several months, and it was like, "Is he going here? Is he going there?" <laughs> it was it was the talk of the transfer market, I guess, in many ways. And of course, it would be with him being joint top uh, record holder for the most World Tour. I mean, sorry, not World, Tour de France wins. And there was a lot of discussion is, is whether he would get another chance. Um, now, obviously, he's with Astana, uh, and we're going to what happened there. Uh, but just uh, quickly, then, Rob, do do you think he has na- he has a chance to then break the record? Um, honestly, no. In really? my opinion, oh, okay. Think... No, it's, it's my it's my harsh, honest answer. Um... Rob, if he heard this podcast right now, he'll be sticking two fingers up at you. I think. I'm sure he would. I'm sure he'd be doing worse than that as well, to be honest. He's a very strong-minded man. But, you know, I think there are there are more opportunities in the Tour this year for sprinters, but, you know, the, the strength of depth, of um, there's, there's just a lot of good sprinters out there now, to be honest, and a lot of good lead-out trains. And, no, you know, if Rob, you look at... Rob, he's, you, well, he's raced the top guys for 15, 15 or more years, you know. Uh, oh, oh, yeah, definitely he's a lot older now, but... I don't know. He, he can pop. He can definitely do one out of five, six opportunities. No, I mean you've got you got Caleb Ewan, you got Fabio Jakobsen, uh, Tim Malia, Walt Bernard, Dylan Gromerwegen, Gervin Tyson, Biniam Gourmet. You're There's... talking about you're talking about all of these okay good sprinters, but Cav on <laughs> his day is exceptional, like well beyond anyone that you've just mentioned. Um, at least in my eyes. No, come on. His only victory from last year was one stage in the Giro. Oh, you can't, you can't forget the Nationals. Oh yeah, that wasn't a sprint. <laughs> that was a three-way sprint against Sam Watson and Alex no, Richardson. Fine. It's not. I mean, it's a good sprint, but I think outsprinting Sam Watson, who's an under twenty-three rider, is a long way from winning at all. No, he's kind of re- reinventing himself uh, in a sense that that yeah, like you yeah. said, he was, he kind of did a lot, done a lot of work that ride. But uh, I don't know, Rob. He's he's pulled it out when he's been in a position far worse than what you've just mentioned. Um, you know, with no True. wins for two years and all the rest of it. We we were saying he was long gone. What four years ago? Five years ago? And uh, yeah. Free world, free Tour de France victories. I think it was uh, two years ago. Uh, yeah. I anyway, yeah, but... I, I know this, the stats. I guess the way I'm looking at it is very much the team and who's yeah. around it. You look yeah, at fine. Quick Step, fine. the most successful sprint team, definitely of the past yeah. 10, 10 years by a long way. It's fantastic lead out riders. If he's a Quick Step yeah. and Fabio yeah. Jakobsen moves elsewhere and Tim Malia doesn't go to that team. 
then yes, I do believe he wins the tour stage. But you got Astana, the worst performing World Tour team of last year, not had a sprinter, I think, in their in their whole history, quite a long history as well. Yeah. And you know, it's um to the I don't I don't think their bikes are especially fast and aerodynamic. I think moving away from specialized for a sprinter is a disadvantage and yeah, I, I don't think that the team has experience with sprinters. Cav's not been able to bring along his coach that he wanted to bring from Quickstep. Um, so a changing coaching setup, which isn't ideal, because I think we clearly saw he he was just a better rider at Quickstep under that coach moving from Bahrain and moving from Dimension Data. And yeah, I, I I'd also say twenty twenty three. The Cav was a down step from 2022 as well. Fantastic 2022. I think yeah, you can argue yeah. it's the best sprinter in the world in 2022. <laughs> um, 2023, uh, I, I don't think you can argue that, to be honest. Um, yeah, I yeah, agree. Just move, moving to Astana. Um, Astana, if they, they've got they've got like they've got all right support. It's not it's not more common the the full quick step train. They got a uh, case bowl. Very good. Well, a very strong sprinter. I won't say the best positioning sprinter. He'll likely be leading him out. Um, I think he'd be good at, at sprinting, actually going fast. But I think positioning Cavendish as well is an issue. They've also got a very good Russian who signed for them for the first year. So they have, they have got the makings of a good sprint train. Yeah, I think yeah. they just lack the person to really position them, which I think is a very large proportion of the battle in these races so so yeah sorry no. sorry to be a bit on patriotic <laughs> but but yeah i no, personally don't see it happening for cab no fair enough i'd love to see it though and um i'm not sure if you've seen the paint job on his team uh team bike that was incredible and uh he's got some nice nike kicks as well um i wonder if uh nike will make a return to the world tour um just as they used to back in the armstrong days but yeah we'll see um quick segue then into uh new teams or rather new team names so we've got the likes of bike exchange jaco now going to jaco alula um an interesting you know how they named them uh the teams right bike exchange no i'm not too sure no. oh okay so uh basically what uh the team owner multi-millionaire billionaire fella out in australia is it australian yeah, pretty sure yeah. it's Australia. Yeah, Ryan, yeah, yeah, yeah. He owns several, several different companies, and basically, what he does every year is he gives a different company uh, a title sponsor. So uh, this time it's nice. Jayco. Yeah, <laughs> very fortunate position to be in. But yeah, so it's Jayco Alula this time, and then uh, you've got the lights of Intermarche Wanti Gobert uh, becoming um, a bit of a circus, really, uh, because <laughs> well quite literally, Intermarche Circus Colbert now. Uh, <laughs> and, nice. Uh, nice. <laughs> you have the likes of uh, Lotto Sudal. They've been Lotto Sudal for a very long time, no? Um, if I'm not I mistaken. think so, yeah. Yeah, well, they are now Lotto Destiny and they've basically, Sudal have basically swapped with uh, Alpha Vinyl, so Quickstep are now Sudal Quickstep. Um, as opposed to Quick Step Alpha Vinyl, uh, there's a few smaller teams like Bardiani CSF Faisan. Is that how how it was pronounced? 
<laughs> they, they've added uh, a, a few more words to their titles uh, title name so it's green project bardiani csf Faison, <laughs> and then uh, there's drone hopper and droney uh, geocatelli is that how you say it Diacathli. yes oh, that's that's probably a lot better um and they are now gw shimano cidermec um, so that'll be a bit of a mouthful for the commentators or and for us, I guess, uh, going forward. Uh, let's hope we're not talking about them too much, I guess. Uh, oh. Now, on to the transfers then, Rob. Um, what has, obviously, we've touched on Cav and uh, we can, actually, let's go back to Cav because um, he was doing the rounds. Uh, obviously, his BNB contract uh, was maybe signed, maybe never signed, and then uh, as we know, the team fell apart, and then he was linked to several teams, uh, including an, an American team at one point. Uh, but he settled for Astana, but that only came about uh, due to a very controversial, um, I don't know, uh, set of circumstances. Um, I don't know too much about this, but obviously Miguel Angel Lopez was linked to a uh, a doctor. Uh, uh, when we mentioned doctors in cycling, uh, we all know what we're talking about, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so he was sacked from Astana, which is surprising because Astana doesn't have uh, the greatest reputation themselves. Um, so if you're getting sacked from them, then it's, it's, it's saying something. Uh, of course, uh, Miguel Angel Lopez is um, protesting his innocence. Um, and yeah, he's now with an outfit back in his home country, I believe. Um, but yeah. that's that's a major loss to the world tour if if he is in fact clean, right? Um, top five, top five GC finisher, um, and yeah. So obviously that freed up a spot for Cav um, because otherwise their roster was uh, full. Uh, do you know anything more on that topic, Rob? Um, well, no, I know it's not probably not looking too good for Miguel Angel Lopez, and I think for Astana to to get rid of him, um, yeah, is pretty bad. I think also for no other world tour team to sign him, it isn't great either. He's at Melaine EPM, I believe it's called, and then we'll see see him in action uh, soon at the World World of San Juan yeah. in Argentina. So. Hopefully for him, if if he is innocent, he can put in a good show there and maybe have a have a chance at a mid season transfer. But but yeah, not looking good. And I think would you've been linked with a doctor who who the authorities are on to? I think generally in these circumstances, no smoke without a fire might might be a a, a fair phrase to use. I think his inconsistency as well doesn't give me great faith there. Um, but. But yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame, but yeah, a real shame. I think a big shame for Astana as well. I it's a shame that... for cycling, really. Uh, Twenty twenty three, sure, and, we're, sure. and we're, we're talking about one of the brightest talents in the sport uh, doing or going down this route, or being linked to, even being linked, whether he's innocent or not. The fact that um, there's whispers of such things going on is just, uh, yeah, it just leaves a real bad taste, you know. Um, yeah. But there's uh, also someone else, uh, another South South American rider, um, a very successful South American rider being uh, thrown off his team as well. 
uh, Nairo Quintana, um, winner of the Giro, winner of the Vuelta, uh, classification, uh, mountains classification winner of the Tour de France, a very, very well-established rider. He's also without a team. Um, he was, uh, I don't know if they ripped up his contract or didn't re-sign him, but uh, he took tramadol, if I'm not mistaken, which is not a banned substance, but uh, I, I believe the UCI do um, pick up on it, and they basically cancelled his <coughs> cancelled his uh, Tour de France standings for this year uh, due to his yeah. uh, substance uh, taking. Basically, um, any any more on that, Rob? I think I've heard he has signed for a World Tour team. Oh, he has? Okay. It's not been announced who okay. yet. I think Quintana's a lot easier for teams to sign Yeah, because he's kind of then they're not pursuing it any further Yeah, um, pretty much. Like, he could have raced the Welter last year if he wanted to. I think for a team, it's, it's not a good look to sign him, but you're going to get him at such a cheap price now. Um, especially now, so late in the season, if he hasn't already been signed, but I think he has. I don't know why they'd uh, bother delaying announcing it, but but yeah, unfortunate for him, unfortunate for Arkea Samzik because he's definitely their their sort of talisman. I don't know, yeah, yeah. kind of their their main rider by quite a, a fair stretch, I'd say. So it's a shame for them. Same for South South America, probably two of their biggest the stars. Um, yeah, kind of yeah. going yeah. and yeah. Hopefully, Quintana is is riding this year, but yeah, not not great for them, and Absolutely. also not great for the reputation of other South American riders. Yeah, the, the number and success of them coming through has definitely dwindled in the past year or two. Um, so yeah, things like this isn't isn't, isn't great for the cycling scene there either. I don't think. Yeah, I'm going to make a uh, tenuous link um, to the next topic, which is uh, <laughs> he used to ride for Movistar and they, or the most successful rider for many years was, of course, Alejandro Valverde, who actually got most of the points last year. And I'm not sure if you've been looking on the socials, but there's whispers he might come out of retirement, considering he is training a great deal. He looks in good shape. Um and yeah, there's there's rumours he will come out of retirement, especially uh, if Movistar do not pull it out and uh, get the results thereafter, because they are in very uh, precarious uh, waters if they don't get the points required and they may face relegation, as did uh, Israel and the other team. Which which other team went down? It was Lotto, wasn't it? Yeah, Israel and Lotto. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, so yeah, I, I, I'm not sure if you know more on that, Rob. Um, yeah, I've heard he's definitely he's going to be trying some gravel racing, and yeah, you know he's been riding and training with the team. He's sort of signed by the team to be some sort of member of staff as well. It all sounds yeah. pretty innocuous, and yeah, for a team <laughs> who struggles with leadership debates for a while, I don't, I don't think the unknowns great for them. But saying that, I think Valverde is a long, a long way past leading a team at a Grand Tour or such. I think it'd be nice if he like pops up at some smaller Spanish races or gives Fleshwell on another go. But I think kind of, I think they need to be clear. And if they do have him racing again, they have to understand what budget that is. You know, Movistar, 
they currently missed out on two massive Spanish talents in Juan Ayuso and Carlos Rodriguez. Yeah, yeah. Who the, like if if Valverde's on two, two and a half million last year and they're thinking of saving that to pay him again this year, you know, that that, that money for a Spanish team like Movistar, it, it should be going to those two, or and if not them, someone like Richard Carapaz who instead moves to EF education. Yeah. Um and let's let's be honest, Valverde, he's only gonna go downhill at his age. I think we've seen two years of decline already, so he might come back out. I don't think it's a great thing for the team if he does. You say that, but he, he got Obviously, it's far so many more else. points. Yeah, yeah. He got so many more points than anyone else in his team. He practically lifted them out of relegation. Um, they wouldn't have done it without him. So uh, we'll see. But there's another rider, who, uh, another legend in the sport, rather, who may come out of retirement, and that's Tom Boonin. I hadn't heard that. I had not yeah, heard that. He's 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 maybe coming out just like uh Valverde to do all these uh gravel rides. Um I, I wonder what the draw is for these uh what ex World Tour pros to to then give it up and then join these uh gravel rides because they've been around for a long time. It just feels like there's a lot more buzz around it, I guess. Uh so perhaps they're I don't know, um trying to drive the try jumping on the hype train rather as opposed to uh doing it for any other reason but it's interesting um you know you you didn't hear about this what five years ago perhaps there's uh more money in it i guess but if you're a world tour pro and uh you've been at the top of the game as has been in and valverde you're not are you doing it for the money potentially although i i'd assume boone and should be fight quite financially secure. It depends on his lifestyle and how quickly yeah, he can burn so. through money. Yeah, true. Um, I imagine there is money there for him. And yeah, when he when he says coming out of retirement, I think it's it's one thing to go back into the world tour and have someone measuring your heart rate twenty four seven, telling you what to eat twenty four seven, and maybe just <laughs> accepting fifty grand off a off a bike sponsor and doing your own training, choosing your own race calendar. It, sort of like <laughs> that's living the life though isn't it really uh if you got to choose your own calendar uh you yeah. had your own sponsors you could pick and choose who you wanted kind of thing uh yeah i guess in many ways that's probably that's a, a little idea. bit like retiring as an investment banker and then yeah, yeah it's true then working in working in something a lot more relaxed is yeah probably how i describe that but <laughs> but yeah so uh, over to you rob what transfers then um have really um caught your attention and uh, which teams have uh, basically made it out best I think the uh, the really interesting for Wormy is Ineos Grenadiers um, they are um, they've, they've lost I think a lot and not really gained too much their transfer season has been more about signing young riders on long term contracts this year we see Pidcock, Hayter and Ben Turner signed on monstrously long deals, which I presume are at quite high quite high prices. Yeah, Bernal yeah. was also signed at a very um, long-term deal prior to his crash, um, So, which probably isn't ideal for them, to be honest, unless he's made a full recovery. Um, so I presume they've probably spent a lot of money there. Yeah. And yeah. If, if we're honest, they've not, they've not really brought anyone in who could really say he's Moving the needle, obviously they they bring in Pauline Ferran Prevot 
for the first and only woman on the team. Although yeah. I, I don't think to them in relative terms that's too much money. I think max we're talking three hundred thousand for her. Um, and then out they lose Carapaz, they lose Paru Bay winner Dylan Van Baal, and with Garrett Thomas another year older. Uh, it's hard to say they have a Tour de France. I, I, I'd go as far as podium contender. I think it might even be hard to say they've got a Grand Tour winning contender. Yeah. Um, I think that depends on, unless unless Bernal's back to his best. If he's back to his best, I think he can win Giro and podium tour. But I think that's a big if, given his injuries. Pidcock can improve and become a GC rider, although... I wouldn't say his performances this year have been exponential enough for me to say a tour win in the next year or two, to be honest. Um, and Danny Martinez, I, I don't see as a as a Tour de France winner either, maybe a, a Giro podium. I think it's the best you can hope for there. Um, so, yeah, Ineos, I'd say their team has dramatically decreased in value. Yeah, they've got um, rid of Yates as well, Carapaz, obviously the Olympic yeah. champion. Um, so you're right. They, they've become stale in many ways, but of course they did win Paris-Roubaix. Um, it, it depends what they're after. I guess in many ways they, they'll always be after the uh, Tour de France, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. No, certainly not. Um, they, they're in a very interesting situation, I heard. I think we saw rumours reported they were trying to sign Roglic and they were trying to sign Ramco, which presumably is five five or six mil min a year for them, in my opinion. Um, plus, plus buying out their contract, of course. Plus buying out their contract, which is definitely not going to be cheap uh, unless, unless there's some really stupid lawyers involved, which I'm pretty sure there wouldn't be. Um, so, so yeah, I think their approach is if we sign anyone, it's to win the tour. Um, you know, Bernal and Pidcock, it's not, it's not crazy to say one of them can win the tour. Bentol, it's a nice project, but again, you, you've been quite ambitious at this point compared to what Ineos were five years ago, which was basically a lock to win the tour. Um, so I find that team situation very interesting. I find their lack of development team interesting although i don't massively disagree with it um so yeah this their approach is sort of signing junior riders and they sign josh tarling and one quite unknown canadian rider um fresh out juniors which in comparison to yumbo visma's um development team i'd much rather have that in my back pocket and they've got a lot of good riders there signed on very very long-term contracts so so yeah it's hard to see where they're going i'd say the future's not looking great for them um right now their strategy looks it, it, it looks difficult in my opinion to be honest i think well oh, carlos rodriguez can develop actually to be fair carlos rodriguez can develop into a a, a serious tour de france contender but other than that i'd say it's thin on the ground Rob, you, right you keep mentioning Pidcock. Um, he, he obviously had that one excellent, excellent uh, Tour de France victory last year, but I, I, I still don't. I just, I just still don't see it. I know. I, re- I remember saying last year that Pidcock can win the Tour. Yeah, and I, I think I'd like to. I think I want to backtrack on that a little bit. I'd say th- this year was good. 
what you was easy to forget when you're talking about Pidcock is when he wants to be the best mountain biker in the world, he is the best mountain biker in the world, which is good. Although I'd say the level of mountain bikers maybe isn't top at the moment. I don't think anyone else can uh, transfer to road and win Amstel in their first jury win win cross worlds. And if we're honest, he's a long way behind Wout Van Aert and Matthew Van Der Poel in cross as well. Um, so yeah, I, I, I personally don't, I don't, I didn't see him winning the tour, and yes, he did win the Alpes stage, but he was up against it was it was from a break, and he beat Louis Meinkies and and Chris Froome, and I, I I don't think anyone anyone can seriously be confidently be saying those two are, are Grand Tour contenders in this moment. That I think they're both stage hunters at this point, to be honest. So so yeah, I'm not overly confident, and he's not young anymore. His yeah. development is slow and gradual, but he's he's not even other than a twenty three rider anymore. He's not got long left competing for the young jersey classification. So, so yeah, it is a it is a predicament for him, and confidence in him winning the tour is low. Although this year it looks like he has got a tour focus for sure. <coughs> the excuse they gave for him not doing World's Cross was to focus on the Spring Classics, and by that I hope they mean. The hill classics because I, I i don't believe a man weighing under 60 kilos can genuinely win or think of winning roubaix yeah absolutely. Or, or or flanders maybe maybe a bit more chance on flanders but but yeah i think he can win he can be solid competition at, at the hill classics but but yeah i hope that focus is more tour orientated and i think the tour will be where he really performs this year they had him down for the tour quite early on, so so I think this will be a big stab at the tour for him. And oh, was he like? I think he was around tenth last year, and maybe he, maybe he fights improve. I, I I imagine we'll see him give near his best for a GC challenge this year. Um, although I don't anticipate that being close to Pagatra or Vingegaard. I think it, it could be impressive. It could be impressive and for sure, but. Uh, not a win I don't think I need to see a lot more for me to believe in him being a tour winner at this moment in time yeah absolutely um, so any other transfers then Rob that that raise some eyebrows or um, so for me it's Tim Melia going from Alpesin over to Quickstep because at Alpesin he, he had a lot of opportunities and I'm not sure he'll get as many at quick step, but perhaps there was in wranglings. Um, yeah, w- what's your thoughts on that one? Uh, thoughts on that one are um, I, I don't I don't love the move by quick step there. To be honest, um, I think Alpacin are very good at training sprinters and developing sprinters. They added an awful lot of value. To Tim, obviously to Tim Malia, who was pretty much an unknown cross rider yeah. until he burst onto the scene of them. And then they added a lot of value to Jasper Philipson as well. Um, and yeah, they do have two of the best sprinters there, but I, I think Quickstep should have kept Cavendish um, because now they, they're in a weird situation where they've got both Malia and Jakobsen, who, and you look at the type of sprinters they are, they're both the type of sprinters who can't get over a hill. So neither of them are competitive in the last week of the tour. 
Yeah. And neither of them really want to go to the Giro either. So that that one's a bit of a weird one for me. And also I wouldn't like we see people's we see sprinters' value decrease once they leave quick set like Viviani, Gaviria, um, Sam Bennett, and um, I'd say but I think Cavendish's value will decrease at Astana this year as well. And then we see that I think I think you'd have a similar story with Alperson. They've not been as la- around as long, so we've not seen any sprinters leave their team. But I I doubt Quickstep will add too much value to Malia, to be honest. Maybe a better lead out, but that'll be about it. Um and yeah, I think Alperson I think I think Quickstep probably just have more money, to be honest. And Alperson are quite happy. They've got a very good development team. They've got off-road riders, like cross riders, big cross riders tend to be quite easy to convert into sprinters, such as Wout Van Aert and Timolier, quite easy to convert into sprinters. And they base their development team is pretty much every semi-respectable under 23 cyclocross rider. Yeah. Which I think is quite a good way of getting good sprinters and then just a, a few other like solid young riders, I guess. Um, and, you know, they bring in Caden Groves. I'm pretty sure Caden Groves is cheaper to bring in than uh, it is to keep Tim Malia. And they can probably add value to Caden Groves, who's probably keen to move to a sprint-focused team like Alpha Sinterkernick. So, so yeah, that's that's my thoughts there, to be honest. But, but yeah, I think it's, it's nice for Alpha Sin and Caden Groves, I think it's bad for Quickstep and Malia, yeah. to be honest. Unless Malia's just getting a lot more money, in which case, fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> He's the one laughing in the end, I guess. Um, so, Rob, who's the who's the winners and losers out of this uh, transfer market then? Well, I'd say big winners, obviously, we look in terms of UCI points, like sort of gained uh, Yumbo uh, and UAE are the top two. UAE by quite a lot. I think it's clear they just have a lot of money. Yeah. And I imagine there's quite a blank check book that can be signed whenever there, to be honest. They, they they've brought in a lot of good riders and a lot of good support riders for Bogacha. If we're honest, like Adam Yates moves to that team firmly as a domestique. And that that is not cheap. That is not cheap. They brought in and like even like riders like Tim Wellens as well. Um and yeah, they, they they brought a lot of firepower to that team, a lot of firepower to that team, and they've they've not really lost anyone of significance either. I wouldn't say um, they lose. I think that is it. Yeah, Fernando Gaviria, but I don't I don't think that's any sweat off their back to be honest. Yumo yeah. yeah. Visma, although they gain less points, um, I feel they gain more. They improve what they were lacking. Um, their classic squad gains Dylan Van Baal. They already had Wout Bernard, Christophe Laporte and Tish Benoot. That classics team is now insane. And in my opinion, no one touches them. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think that's great for them. And then they also have Jan Tratnik moving there as well, which is a very, very good domestic to have and actually also adds to their cobbled squad and... I mean, like for grand for grand tours and cobbled races, this team's just just getting a bit a bit silly now. It's not far off a dream team. Yeah. Once you factor in that Van Aert's a sprinter as well, and 
the the Porter's arguably a lead out rider as well. Um so so yeah, um for them they're absolutely laughing. They lose Tom Moulin, which for them uh, you know, it's not worked out for them. And that's probably a two and a half million pound a year budget they no longer have to pay. And if we're honest, De Moulin wasn't adding two and a half million worth of value. Um so yeah, for Yumbo Visma, I think it's a dream. They don't lose it all Koi. I think they lose him next year when his contract expires. Um, but yeah, for them, I think very good. I think EF for them, very good. A team that performed quite badly this year, in my opinion. Um, they gain Richard Carapaz. I think bad years for Hugh Carthy and Rigoberto Aran. I think uh, I, I think Carapaz is a rider who can podium the Tour. I think he's a rider who can podium the Giro or win the Giro or Welter as well. So for them, a very good signing. And it must be an expensive signing. It must be because Carapaz has to easily be worth two and a half million, in my opinion, Yeah, if not quite a bit more. Um, so yeah, it's great for them. Other than that, I think Intermarche a victim of their own success, they lose the most sort of UCI points sort of to like the riders incoming don't have that many UCI points and eyes that go out have quite a lot. Although a large part of that is Alexander Kristoff and his UCI point, the UCI points he won. Yeah, there may be a, a smaller, a smaller one day races where the points are perhaps uh, given out a bit too lightly. So maybe yeah. that, that figure slightly over exaggerated, although. Yeah, they lose a lot of talent. They probably didn't want to lose. They lose Quentin Hermans, um, who I'm sure they'd love to have kept. They probably spent a lot of their money keeping Billiam Gamay, who for a, a large array of factors is a very valuable rider. Um, and yeah, yeah, they're just a victim of their own success and they're adding an awful lot of value. I wouldn't be surprised if riders want to go there. Um, for less money because they know they'll perform well and they can then get a big contract after that. I think if you're a if you're a savvy um, rider agent or young rider, I think a move to into into Marche on small money is is a is a good plan for your long term earnings. So so yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just uh, we touched on earlier. Um, two teams uh, were relegated. That was Israel. And um, Lotto Destiny, and then that also meant two promotions, which were, uh, which were you're gonna have to remind me. Uh, Alpacin and Arcane. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. okay. Excellent. And then uh, the two wild cards for the Tour de France. Uh, one went to Israel, so they're in in some senses they're back in, um, which they'll be pleased with, I guess. And of course, uh, Uno X. So you mentioned Christoph earlier leaving um and now joining uh uno x so they'll have a sprinter in some way shape or form for the world tour um rather for the tour de france um good good uh good introduction for them i guess uh, which who were they named before uno x I've, I've not come across them before uh you know x uh yeah they, they've just been a team that worked their way up quite oh, nicely gotcha. Gotcha. they like developing long term they have um yeah, just quite a good mix. They kind of li- quite limit themselves quite heavily. I think it's they only sign riders from Denmark and Sweden, no Denmark and Norway even, which oh, yeah. actually is quite a nice talent pool. Um, although it is quite well on their men's team at least, they only signed from uh, 
Denmark and Norway on their women's team, they're a bit more um, uh, multicultural. I guess I don't know, multinational. Yeah. Um. So so yeah, they're a solid team. They definitely add value to riders. Uh, headline riders is probably Tobias Johansson, um, who won the Tour de Lavenir. Uh, not not this year, but the year before. Um. So so yeah, they're a solid team. And they're definitely improving. I think they, they're they're ones with solid background staff, but their big issue is you know like teams like Yumba are actually poaching the most talented Danish and Norwegian riders. So they're they're sort of getting the scraps of of two not very big cycling nations and doing quite well off it to be honest. But but yeah, solid team and yeah, be good to see them at the tour next year. Absolutely. So we we've actually started racing. Uh, there's racing. Uh, at the Tour Down Under for the first time uh, in two, three years uh, due to COVID. Um, what's been going on there, Rob? Have you been following? Yeah, yeah, I've been following. It's, um, yeah, been a very interesting race. It's kicked off with a mini criterion called Schwabel Classic, which Caleb Ewan won. Looks like he's on good form, at least sprinting, um, not positioning, which I think was his story of last year as well. Yeah. And then into the race proper, it was sort of a prologue, but only road bikes allowed. I think that was just to keep the costs down of um, of, of people moving bikes across, obviously halfway across the world, because they're all European-based teams, really. And um, and yeah, Alberto Betiel taking a surprise win. Few hilly stages later, and uh, we have one stage left. Jay Vine looking a likely candidate to hold on to the victory. Um, Simon Yates, Peo Bilbao's closest challengers. Um, looks like they've started the season well. Jay Vine, Jay Vine, who is actually a big transfer we've not talked about moving from Alps into Koenig. Uh, he he performed very well last year at yes. the Welter, and I imagine is getting paid quite a lot by Jumbo Visma. Um, maybe they're initially planning to be a domestique, but it's looking like he's now probably going to get a chance at leading leading UAE at the Giro, at the Giro or at least sharing leadership with João Almeida. Um, and yeah, other takeaways from this race so far? Um, a lot of crashes, Rob. A lot of, lot crashes. of crashes. I've heard, um, crashes, I've heard yeah. from the peloton, like there's some some quotes coming out from the riders that you know it's it's just too much like it's full gas first race and um this is normally known to be you know like a holiday in a sense it's like everyone meeting everyone after the summer holidays kind of thing it's a, it's, it's meant to be a bit of a fun race um but it's it's not the case uh it it's seems not- full yeah it's full gas and uh, I think that's been the change since COVID, really. And uh, you had the likes of Tony Martin, obviously now retired, who's who's looking at that, and he's like, "Actually, I'm I'm glad I'm retired now because I don't want to be part of that because it's just it's stressful." Um, Paris Nice is is known to be the most stressful ride in in many senses, uh, but that comes all the way in March, uh, whereas the ones before are a bit more chilled. Like, um, but yeah, there's. There's a lot of stress and tension in the peloton, and that showed with with all the crashes going on. Well, yeah, there's world tour contracts up for grabs still, and you know it's getting ever more competitive. And and yeah, it's just I think I think the the point system adds more value. Like every race matters more now. Yeah. Like we're having more at the start of the three year cycle, but yeah, you know, all these races they take seriously now, and 
I think the mass televisation of races as well um, adds adds to that. There's there's just a myriad of factors. I, I think the sport's just more more professional as well. Really, a lot more desire to win. Everyone really putting it all in for every race and. And yeah, the bunch is definitely getting more aggressive, even away from the tour. And oh, kind of, oh, it's not a good thing people crash, but it's good to have competitive races year out. It's good for us fans that the that the tour down under means a lot to these riders, and we get for the fans, it's great. We get basically January through to October. It's only really November, December you get off, where you can just watch cross. Um, that, that there's kind of no real racing because. Yeah, we've been treated to some fantastic racing and it's only getting busy, busier with, uh, you know, basically most riders are having a full schedule kicking off soon, to be honest. So, so yeah, I think it's good for fans, but, but tough on riders and there's lots of quite quite nasty crashes already. Yeah, it must be proper demoralising if if you've trained all winter uh, and your first race back is, is a crash and you're back to square one or worse than square one, really, but... Yeah, let's let's hope they manage to stay on, uh, stay upright. I guess, but that's probably, uh, in fact, that's the only World Tour race this uh, this month before it kicks off properly. We could say in February, uh, well, towards the end of February. Obviously, we have Tour of Val- Valencia, Rota, uh, Ruta del Sol, out in Spain. The UAE Tour, of course, um, a stage race out there. Uh, but um, the opening weekend, as people like to say, or the purists like to say, is Omloop Hep Newsbed, end of next month. Um, and then, the, I guess, in many ways, things kick off from there. You have Strada Bianca, uh, Paris-Nice, uh, Tirreno, you've got Milan-San Remo in March before the proper classics then kick off. And uh, yeah, that's that's what I'm waiting for, Rob. What are you looking forward to most? I, I love it all, to be honest, Junaid. I have as much fun, I think, watching the Tour Down Under as, oh, I, really? do watch it, as I do watching the Tour de France. Yeah, I I think I it's, it's more it's more fun not knowing who's going to be on form. And I think like these smaller races as well, like not everyone's there. Like, yeah, I don't know. There's something I, I, I just love predicting who's going to win the race. And like not many people are picking Brian Cacard. Uh, today or last night, as yeah, yeah, as, yeah. as British viewers might say, but I, I don't know. I just really enjoy picking picking winners for races before the race happens, and yeah, Brian Cockard probably isn't winning a tour stage, but he can win here, and I think you just get to see a lot of new faces, like you know Marius Mayhofer, uh, wasn't a rider I was massively keeping tracks on, and Paul Penoir as well. So it's nice to see these guys um, performing and come close to to hitting a performance and then seeing them later on in the year as well, seeing how they progress. Um just gives you more stories to follow. But I, I think that's maybe just for me and, and very few select people who really love their racing. But but yeah, I really like it. No, I don't know. I I much prefer the the classics or or the bigger races where everyone everyone comes with form, everyone comes with the best teams, the best tech. All the rest of it. Uh, the only reason I look forward to tour down on it mostly is because that's usually when the new colorways on bikes come out or new bikes full stop come out. Um, and you can see they, there's normally a, a bit of a gimmick as well. Like uh, Specialized often ride with their LA Sprint, which is obvious, uh, of course their aluminium bike. And it's a bit of marketing, a bit of fun. 
Um, yeah. So I, I always look out for stuff like that. But I don't know. I prefer it when when the big guns are out, and uh, you know when Art and Vanderpool are not racing cross and they're out on the road. Um, that but that's me, uh, which is which is fair enough. Uh, Rob, um, it's we touched a lot on. Um, the world champion um, last year, um, and he is of course going to the Giro. It has been he himself has confirmed it now as well. Um, I think it's his in the bag. Um, his his to lose really. Uh, but what are your thoughts on the Tour de France? Who are you predicting to win? Uh, Tour de France. I think it's um, it's most likely a toss up again between the same two protagonists of last year. Is it's just Pagaccia versus Fingergaard. Um could change as well if uh if Evan Paul or Roglic crash on for some reason their season gets reset. Roglic might even choose to do both. Um I think he can be a threat then if he does, even after a bad year or two, maybe. Um but yeah, it's pretty much just a toss up between those two. If there's yeah. lots of if there's lots of uh cold days, my picks Pagaccia. If it's warm, probably Vingegaard. I think Vingegaard is just so good in the cold. It's hard between the two. Every, by the time we get to the tour, I think everyone will be picking Pogaccia because Vingegaard only brings his best form to the tour, whether Pogaccia usually has it all year round. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think for me personally, it's a toss of a coin between those two, although we, we've said that before when the year... But now no one was expecting it. The first year for Gacha one, no one was expecting it. And uh, and real generally not a not a man on earth who is expecting Vingegaard to come second um in twenty twenty one either at, at this time of the year. So you know, you never know how Juan Ayuso is going to progress, you never know how Carlos Rodriguez is going to progress. And, you know, may, maybe Pickup proves me wrong as well. Maybe Cavendish proves me wrong, and you know, Miguel Lopez has left left behind some of his uh, supplies, and Cav can go for the tour win. So it's quite unpredictable, but but yeah, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, Rob, we'll be on again uh, plenty this year, I'm sure. Uh, but any final thoughts before we wrap this one up? Uh, no, just just enjoy watching the racing. I think it's going to be a great year of racing and. Yeah, nice to have a non-COVID interrupted schedule, and uh, yeah, should be good. Yeah, let's hope uh, people stay fit and healthy, and uh, we can watch the best of them race all year. Nice one, Rob. Thanks for coming on. Cheers.